Epistle 33 of Epistles of Cyprian by Cyprian. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Epistle 33 to the clergy and people about the ordination of Salarinus as reader. Argument. This letter is about the same in purport with the preceding, except that he largely commends the constancy of Salarinus in his confession of the faith. Moreover, that both of these letters were written during his retreat is sufficiently indicated by the very circumstances of the context. Cyprian, to the presbyters and deacons, and to the whole people, his brethren in the Lord, greeting. The divine benefits, beloved brethren, should be acknowledged and embraced, wherewith the Lord has condescended to embellish and illustrate his church in our times by granting a respite to his good confessors and his glorious martyrs, that they who had grandly confessed Christ should afterwards adorn Christ's clergy in ecclesiastical ministries. Exalt, therefore, and rejoice with me on receiving my letter, wherein I and my colleagues who were then present mention to you Celerinus, our brother, glorious alike for his courage and his character, as added to our clergy, not by human recommendation, but by divine condensation, who, when he hesitated to yield to the church, was constrained by her own admonition and exhortation, in a vision by night, not to refuse our persuasions, and she had more power and constrained him, because it was not right, nor was it becoming that he should be without ecclesiastical honor, whom the Lord honored with the dignity of heavenly glory." This man was the first in the struggle of our days. He was the leader among Christ's soldiers. He, in the midst of burning beginnings of the persecution, engaged with the very chief and author of the disturbance in conquering with invincible firmness the adversary of his own conflict. He made a way for others to conquer, a victor with no small amount of wounds, but triumphant by a miracle with the long-abiding and permanent penalties of a tedious conflict. For nineteen days, shut up in the close guard of a dungeon, he was racked and in irons. But, although his body was laid in chains, his spirit remained free and at liberty. His flesh wasted away by the long endurance of hunger and thirst, but God fed his soul, that lived in faith and virtue, with spiritual nourishments. He lay in punishments, the stronger for his punishments, imprisoned, greater than those that imprisoned him, lying prostrate, but loftier than those who stood, as bound and firmer than the links which bound him, judged and more sublime than those who judged him. And although his feet were bound on the rack, yet the serpent was trodden on and ground down and vanquished. In his glorious body shine the bright evidences of his wounds, their traces manifested, glow forth, and appear on the man's sinews and limbs, worn out with tedious wasting away. Great things are they, marvelous things are they, which the brotherhood may hear of his virtues and of his praises. And should any one appear like Thomas, who has little faith in what he hears, the faith of the eyes is not wanting, so that what one hears he may also see." In the servant of God, the glory of the wounds made the victory. The memory of the scars preserves that glory. 
nor is that kind of title to glories in the case of Celerinus, our beloved, an unfamiliar and novel thing. He is advancing in the footsteps of his kindred. He rivals his parents and relations in equal honors of divine condensation. His grandmother, Celerina, was some time since crowned with martyrdom. Moreover, his paternal and maternal uncles, Laurentius and Ignatius, who themselves also were once warring in the camps of the world, but were true and spiritual soldiers of God, casting down the devil by the confession of Christ, merited palms and crowns from the Lord by their illustrious passion. We always offer sacrifices for them, as you remember, as often as we celebrate the passions and days of the martyrs in the annual commemoration. Nor could he, therefore, be degenerate and inferior, whom this family, dignity, and a generous nobility provoked by domestic examples of virtue and faith. But if, in a worldly family, it is a matter of heraldry and of praise to be a patrician, of how much greater praise and honor is it to become of noble rank in the celestial heraldry? I cannot tell whom I should call more blessed, whether those ancestors for a posterity so illustrious, or him for an origin so glorious. So equally between them does the divine condensation flow, and pass to and fro, that, just as the dignity of their offspring brightens their crown, so the sublimity of his ancestry illuminates his glory. When this man, beloved brethren, came to us with such condensation of the Lord, illustrious by the testimony and wonder of the very man who had persecuted him, what else behooved to be done except that he should be placed on the desk, that is, on the tribunal of the church, that, resting on the loftiness of a higher station and conspicuous to the whole people for the brightness of his honor, he should read the precepts and gospel of the Lord, which he so bravely and faithfully follows. Let the voice that has confessed the Lord daily be heard in those things which the Lord spoke. Let it be seen whether there is any further degree to which he can be advanced in the church. There is nothing in which a confessor can do more good to the brethren than that, while the reading of the gospel is heard from his lips, every one who hears should imitate the faith of the reader. He should have been associated with Aurelius in reading, with whom, moreover, he was associated in the alliance of divine honor, with whom, in all the insignia of virtue and praise, he had been united, equal both and each like to the other, in proportion as they were sublime in glory, in that proportion they were humbled in modesty. As they were lifted up by divine condensation, so they were lowly in their own peacefulness and tranquility, and equally affording examples to every one of virtues and character, and fitted both for conflict and for peace, praiseworthy in the former for strength, and the latter for modesty. In such servants the Lord rejoices, in confessors of this kind he glories, whose way and conversation is so advantageous to the announcement of their glory that it affords to others a teaching of discipline. For this purpose, Christ has willed them to remain long here in the church. For this purpose, he has kept them safe, snatched from the midst of death, a kind of resurrection, so to speak, being wrought on their behalf, 
so that, while nothing is seen by the brethren loftier in honor, nothing more lowly in humility, the way of life of the brotherhood may accompany these same persons. Know then that these, for the present, are appointed readers, because it was fitting that the candle should be placed in a candlestick, whence it may give light to all, and that their glorious countenances should be established in a higher place, where, beheld by all the surrounding brotherhood, they may give an incitement of glory to the beholders. But know that I have already purposed the honor of the presbytery for them, that so they may be honored with the same presence as the presbyters, and may share the monthly divisions in equal quantities, to sit with us hereafter in their advanced and strengthened years, although in nothing can he seem to be inferior in the qualities of age who has consummated his age by the dignity of his glory. I bid you, brethren, beloved, and earnestly longed for, ever heartily farewell. End of Epistle 33 by Cyprian Read by David Ronald